Hey guys, welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and today I'm joining you in my bedroom where it's freaking cold under a thousand blankets so you don't have to hear my space heater, so you're welcome, but it's also the Monday after the most exhausting weekend of my life. We had my daughter's third birthday party, and even though the party only lasted two hours, we had to move the whole thing inside because it was unseasonably cold and this is a party that included 14 young children almost all under the age of four painting their parents plus my crippling anxiety all holed up in my tiny house so two hours was a lot um I'm happy to say that somehow by the grace of god there is not finger paint all over my house because i I mean, this was supposed to be an outside party, so they were going to paint outside and get dirty, and it wouldn't matter, but nope. Mother Nature hates me, so <laughs> we had them paint in my back room, and they did okay, so I'm really proud of them, but it was still really exhausting. And so then, oh, and add um, my graceful child, bless her little heart, she ran right under the pinata when it fell. Instead of busting open, the the girl who hit it is a nine-year-old softball player. She hit it just right, so the butterfly pinata got decapitated, and the, the entire rest of the pinata fell. And of course, my kid came running, and it smacked her right in the face, and then she tripped over it. So she got to go to daycare today with a giant bump on her face. Totally looks like she has a black eye. And, but it was, it was kind of funny. I am not going to lie. I laughed so hard I choked. She's okay. She's totally fine. But it was hilarious watching her go down. I'm, I'm not a terrible mother, I promise. But, oh gosh, it was hilarious. I wish we had it on video because it would have, it would have been on Tosh and Mary's Funny some videos, it, it would have totally gone viral by now. Um, after all that shit, then I had to make flags for the local high school girls varsity soccer team until 2 a.m. And I'm still not done. But by the time yesterday afternoon rolled around, I hung up my super mom cape and my heat press and just decided to spend some time with my favorite fake teenagers. So today... We're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 3 of Riverdale, Chapter 3, Body Double. There is a movie by the name of Body Double, and it is a 1984 psychological thriller about a guy who investigates the murder of a girl he, like, was a peeping Tom on, (laughs) but his investigating partner is a porn star, played by Melanie Griffith, so, you know, zero in common with this episode as per usual, right? The episode starts off with Cheryl being escorted out of biology class from the last episode where she said that she was guilty. Jughead mentioned something about blurred lines, sexy Sheriff Keller and the principal that were forever haunt my nightmares, shake Cheryl down for answers. And she says, to clarify, I didn't mean I killed Jason. I loved him more than myself, but I am guilty of lying. So, to everybody who thought in episode two of the freaking series that she was coming clean about killing her brother like no that's not how tv works obviously she didn't kill him or at least was not coming clean about it then so keller who is very suggestively sitting on the edge of his desk <laughs> on the edge of weatherby's desk not even his own desk 
um, expositions that the autopsy done by Dr. Curdle, aka Lurch, puts Jason's death on July 11th. And Cheryl says that the last time that she saw Jason really was the 4th of July. So, and then she says, this is like my favorite line. She says, the plan was bananas, even for me. <laughs> Just, I, I love any time somebody uses the word bananas and they're not talking about groceries. That's wonderful. Um, so we learned that Jason was running away and they were going to fake the accident to keep their parents from going after him. In the flashback, Jason and Cheryl hug. You know, that's normal. They're brother and sister. But then they have this like weird hand-holding, lingering thing, like total creeps. Keller accuses Cheryl of spinning a web of lies and calls her out for singing and dancing at a pep rally yesterday. And he is not wrong. I mean, that is, that is definitely weird. But before Cheryl can explain her particular brand of grieving, Cliff and Penelope bust in and we get a little taste of what dicks they are just before the title card. Um, so we hear that Penelope thinks that she's a liar and Cliff's not sure what she'd say because they're terrible parents. No wonder Jason was trying to run away. Then we get zzz, zzz, Riverdale. And we go to Betty's room after the title card where Alice flops a copy of the register in Betty's face and she calls her mom out for being awful and says whatever he did to Polly he's still a person and then she spouts all of the whodunit questions who why what was the motive and Alice calls her at Lois late time and tries to recruit her to the register so Alice is also not a great mom but you know kudos for her for trying to um exercise Betty's questionable nature to putting to some good use and then we're at school where Archie totally creeps on Grundy before coming almost clean to Keller about the 4th of July he claims that he was at the river to work on his songs because even though there's a dead kid investigation going on you guys Archie's a musician and that's so important <sighs> they ask him if he was alone that day and he says no sir and I'm like okay he's gonna be honest and then he freaking says, I was with my dog, Vegas. God damn it, Archie. <laughs> Just stop. I mean, I guess there is a gross joke in there somewhere about Grundy being a dog, but I won't go there. Not this time. So in the Gryffindor common room, as I like to refer to the weird student lounge that they have, Kevin informs the gang that everyone in the room is a suspect, including him. That fits my theory. I really want Kevin to to be bad for some reason. I don't know what my problem is. I think it's because Keller sounds like killer. And I love him so much that I want him to be a really big part of this story. Other than just the GBF. Anyway, he wants everyone to Netflix and chill with making a murderer again. But Veronica declines because she has a date with Chuck Clayton. And everyone freaks out. Betty says that he's sort of a player. <laughs> Kevin says that dating Chuck is basically like dating a Kennedy. And the look on Veronica's face says, I've totally boned a Kennedy. So, <laughs> I love that. Uh, we go to a, a brand new set where Betty recruits Jughead to help her start the Blue and Gold, which is the school newspaper. And Jughead makes another in cold blood reference because the writers do not know their audience, apparently. And then he tells Betty that he'll do it if he gets complete freedom. And she's like, yeah, but lol, no. Uh, he agrees anyway. And then they decide that he should talk to Dilton Doily because nobody's mentioning him before. But I bet there's, there's something to be said for Dilton because he found Cheryl. 
and I'm going to say this, Betty and Jughead have really good chemistry here that I didn't notice my first time around watching because I thought that Jughead was going to be asexual because that was his character from the most recent comics. That That's like a big thing. And I really thought they were going to incorporate that into the show being as, you know, how it's all like woke and everything. But now having watched you know, Riverdale up until the, you know, most recent episode, middle of season two, he is most definitely not asexual. He is a straight man and they do have really good chemistry. Archie comes home and Fred busts him about lying about going on a road trip with Jughead and grounds him because Fred's actually a good dad. Like you can't tell your dad you're going on a road trip, but actually be at the river banging your teacher And then talk to the sheriff about it and expect him to not run it by your dad. Oh, Archie. Um, We go to Pop's parking lot where Veronica and Chuck are taking selfies and are actually being really cute. He says, I'm going to have my hands full with you, aren't I? And that should tell you something's up here. It's the next day at school and Grundy lays a huge guilt trip on Archie for telling the truth in the hall. She, he didn't even give her name. He didn't say anything about, you know, her being a terrible person. And she still lays this huge guilt trip on this poor kid. Like, I feel like the reason why she went after Archie was because she knows that he is not that bright. He does not have the most common sense. And he's so easily manipulated. But he, he's also really good. So, of course, he told the truth. And that pisses her off because he didn't do everything that she wanted him to do. She should get all of her comeuppance. In the hallway, Veronica learns from Tina and Ginger that Chuck used their cute selfie for evil and posted that he gave her a sticky maple, which we learn from Kevin is a Riverdale thing. Well, I foolishly looked it up on Urban Dictionary and it's a disgusting thing. (laughs) Don't do it unless you want an education into what real perverts do. It's, It's pretty gross. I mean, if you're into that thing, as long as it's all consensual, who who am I to judge? That's fine. Whatever. I I will not be asking for a sticky maple anytime soon because, Anyway, I wrote some of the comments down that are under this Instagram post. And I feel like the writers interviewed, like, my 50-year-old mom on how to comment on a teen, comment like a teen, because Jesus, they are so bad. Um, somebody named Una Murray says, the letter U, gotta go V, stop giving us a bad rap, hashtag girl power, hashtag sticky maple, hashtag bye. Um, somebody named Mike Gallagher this one's great he says wow fam how ratchet is the new girl (laughs) all the LOLs Mike Gallagher you gotta gotta stop watching Kanye Uh, Burke Cook uses all caps and says leave Ardell PLZ you are those are letters gross Take your sticky ass back, the number two, NYC, so the rats can eat you because you don't even have an apartment anymore. Hashtag OMG. Bro, <laughs> calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, even, even if she did get a sticky maple and Chuck saying it, like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> that is really harsh. <laughs> Betty wants to go to the principal and Veronica says, spoken like a true good girl who always follows the rules. Well, I don't follow the rules. I make them. And occasionally, when needed, I break them. You want to help me get revenge on Chuck, Betty? Then you better be willing to go full dark, no stars. What do you say? In or out? So she makes a nice Stephen King reference there. Collection of stor- short stories by Stephen King. And she is pissed. <laughs> and I'm proud of her. So the girls bust in on the boys' locker room, which freaks Archie out, but is much to Chuck's delight. Um, all the boys are, are of course, just in towels, because that's apparently what every locker room is like. <laughs> when when Betty's talking to Chuck about like how he can't sexually harass these girls, she has her hands pinched together like she's like an old Italian grandpa, and it's pretty hilarious. But Chuck just laughs and offers her a ride on the Chuck wagon, which, honestly, I can't blame him. <laughs> that is nice use of his name. I feel like if my name was Chuck... That would be said a lot, <laughs> but not in a gross way, but in definitely a jokey way. Veronica says to him, take this the hell, because she can't say fuck, down. And Chuck says that that might, prissy attitude might have worked back in New York, but you're in bulldog country now. And then they all start barking like the Twin Peaks pilot. So I did start watching the old Twin Peaks Um I, for some reason, I thought because they were going to have the new season or whatever it is um, on Showtime that they would have pulled the old series off Netflix. So I just haven't even like looked for it, but it's there. It's on Netflix. And so far I'm like an episode and a half in and I can definitely see how it's the source material for like all the TV shows that I like for Riverdale, for Pretty Little Liars, for Gossip Girl, all of that anything that is has a mystery I feel like it all came from from like the hour and a half of what I've seen of this old show and I'm ashamed of myself for not having watched it sooner but anyway yeah they there's like a barking scene in the the Twin Peaks pilot and I was like oh just like just like the locker room so (laughs) Chuck invites Veronica to fight back and yeah she's gonna take that up um, then we go to the Adventure Scout Grizzly training, where Jughead confronts Dilton about the 4th of July, and one of the scouts gives Jughead a really weird look. But really all we learn from this scene is that Dilton is tall and he knows about birds. <laughs> That's about it. Then at school, Cheryl propositions Archie in the most awkward way, in the middle of class no less. She um tells him that she'll grant him one favor, anything. Nothing is off the table. One wish, but not my body. <laughs> so, so weird for a teenage girl to say that. But Archie, who's, you know, already getting handies from his teacher, asks for an in with Josie and the Pussycats instead of what every teenage boy would ask for, which... Even though it's not her body, I bet he'd totally ask for, like, a a blowjob or a handjob. Anyway, Josie allows him to come to rehearsal as long as he just observes. And she does the Arya shush finger. And I I screamed a little bit. I feel like that shush was for all of us PLL fans. Archie tells her that he's grounded and she could give zero fucks about his grounding situation. It was amazing. At the Pembroke... Veronica is looking at more of the Instagram comments, and a few notable ones are. So Cheryl Blossom says, I usually pity the poor bud, 
dot, dot, dot. And Chuck, who posted it, and apparently, you know, in his story, got laid by this person, says, can we vote this hot jalopy off the island already? Like, what are you doing? Like, if you um, had this encounter with her, wouldn't you want her to stick around to do more? To get, you know, more points or whatever? But that makes no sense. Somebody named Ace McDonald, who is my new best friend, says, we can send this girl back, number two, NYC, but we, number two, have to buy another ticket for her eyebrows. And then in another post, actually make that two tickets, one for each eyebrow. Solid burn, Ace. Solid burn. Oh, and Tony Topaz, who will not be in this season, but will be a character next season. I'm not going to tell you anything about this person, but there is a character named Tony Topaz. Says, no gracias. Hermione walks in and asks Veronica, but she will not admit to what happened and goes back to school? What time of day is this? I'm so confused because... We're at school, the whole slut-shaming thing happens, the locker room, and then Veronica's at home looking at the Instagram comments, and then she goes back for this weird meeting of girls. So, whatever. So, we're back at school. We are back in the common room, and up in the common room is a group of girls arranged neatly. So, when the camera pans, all you see is just, Barb! And if you don't watch Stranger Things, A, what the fuck is wrong with you? How are you even a TV fan? B, the girl you know is Ethel, the redhead in the front center is Barb from Stranger Things. And C, stop what you're doing and go watch Stranger Things. It is, it is a truly good show. Like, not just good because it's addictive, but actually very good. Oh, and D, you can thank me later. Any hoodle. In this, like, weird group therapy session, we learned that Ethel helped Chuck with schoolwork, and then he proceeded to tell people that she let him do quote-unquote sex stuff to her, which, you know, is a thing that happened to girls in my high school all the time. Like, if, if ever there was a common way to sexually harass a teenage girl, this was it. To constantly make com- make claims that a girl let you do something to her and then like either you know she smelled bad or she wasn't good at it or she was a total freak when really nothing even happened anyway so I I'm glad to hear that this very realistic sexual harassment narrative gets called out like that that made me feel really good to hear where like these girls are saying that never happened because I feel like almost everybody I knew in school had that happen to them. And it is an awful feeling. So Cheryl Buston <laughs> calls them sluts and is the absolute worst. And then she tries to make the whole thing about her because she's now a murder suspect. <laughs> like, Cheryl, just stop. Like, what kind of, like, weird bitchy quota are you trying to hit? But... Ethel suffers no fools and she just goes on to say that the creeps who do this are on the football team and they keep a literal playbook so we're not going to talk about you right now Cheryl we're still talking about the problem that all of these other girls have Um, Cheryl scoffs and says Jason would have never allowed it 
and then calls Veronica Frida shallow, which is another solid eyebrow burn. I like it. I'm liking this eyebrow burn because Camila Mendez has the most beautifully groomed eyebrows that almost touch. <laughs> they go all the way to the bridge of her nose. It is incredible. <laughs> I like I kind of want to rub them just to see if they're real. But yeah, Veronica doesn't care it, what Cheryl thinks. And she says that she's going to go scorched earth and it, call me or one of these beautiful girls a slut one more time. That was too much. I felt like we've already had a Veronica speech where she said it like in all caps with a period after each word. Like, that was a little much. Anyway, at Pops, an uneasy adventure scout is having dinner with his dad, and it's super cute. It's the it's the scout that looked at Jughead all weird at uh, the grizzly training, and when his dad gets up to pay the bill, <laughs> Jughead drops down on this poor kid who has obvious anxiety issues, <laughs> just like freaking Batman. The poor kid tells Jughead that Dilton shot the gun, and he's a hardcore survivalist, so... That gunshot that everyone heard was actually from Dilton Doily. So then we go to the Andrews residence where Archie is the worst at sneaking out. Like, Fred has already told him that he can hear him when he's sneaking out. And you can hear him, like, ruffle his bed to make it look like there's somebody in it. Open the window and climb out. Like, you're not, <laughs> you're not a lightweight, Archie. Your dad can hear you. Um, at Pussycat Rehearsal, Archie tells Josie that all he wants is to hear them play his songs. And she drops some amazing truth bombs on him. She, she tells him what it's like to be a woman of color in a white male-dominated world. And I love it. She does not let him railroad her. And I'm so glad that they didn't let who is, quote-unquote, the main character of this show. You know, it's the Archie show take over their, you know, what they do, you know, if he's going to be there, he does not, it's not Archie and the Pussycats now. She says that the reason why they are called the Pussycats is because they've had to claw their way into the same rooms he can just waltz into. Way to go, Archie. And Val starts to say something, which I assume is in defense of Archie, but like a privileged white dude, he just shuts her down before she can even say anything, so bruh, <laughs> you're making Josie's point. And, and he does say she's right, but like, stop. <laughs> stop. Stop doing that. Speaking of Val, Ethel brings Val's brother Trev to the Blue and Gold office to meet Betty. And he says that he knows where the playbook is because he used to play football, but quit when he learned about the playbook. So, with the knowledge of where to find it, the girls and Kevin sneaking into the school at night, all in their most fabulous black clothes. Like, even Betty's black sweater has, like, sequins on it. <laughs> they all look amazing in their sneaking around clothes. Um, so, Cheryl shows up and scares the shit out of them <laughs> in the best thigh-high boots that does not go unnoticed by Kevin. They are so awesome. There is no way I could get one of those zipped up all the way up my leg, but oh, they're amazing boots. <laughs> my favorite line by Cheryl is, a B&D with B&V. What would your holy roller mother think about this, Betty? And, 
you know what, Cheryl? I think Alice would approve if it meant getting the scoop. But because Ethel still gives zero fucks about Cheryl, she finds the playbook while the other girls are being catty. So way to go, Ethel. Way to be. <laughs> Eyes on the prize. The players in the playbook, which I just totally got why Betty called Chuck a kind of a player earlier. Anywho, the players that we can see are Chuck, Jason, Moose, Roger, Steve, Andrew, and Scott. Not Reggie, which is surprising and delightful. And you can see how they've all quote-unquote scored. <laughs> but my favorite is that Moose got a plus one point for finding his own locker. <laughs> Poor Moose. We see Polly's name in the book next to Jason. And Cheryl tries to defend Jason, but ultimately concedes that maybe she didn't know Jason as well as she thought. Um, Veronica does what the PLL girls never learn to do and takes a picture of the book with her phone before the boys or A, can destroy the evidence. Thank you for realizing that there is technology <laughs> that can solve these problems. Betty demands justice, and then Dark Betty hatches a plan. So, okay, plot hole warning. We just saw the girls have to sneak into the school, flashlights, black clothes, but Based on the next shot, which is that whole Stranger Things reminiscent shot of the school where it looks like it's in the upside down, Archie is in the music room of the school of Josie and the Pussycats. So the school is accessible. Like, they didn't need to sneak in. If Archie and Josie and Val and Melody are there, then there is no need for Betty and Veronica and Kevin and Ethel to sneak in. But whatever. Archie apparently comes up with a good lyric, paintings on her skin, so Josie allows it. They do a small sample of the song that they're writing, and Ashley Murray deserves all of the awards. She is amazing. Someday give her a Grammy, whatever other music awards there are, because did you know that she's, like, not even a musician? She just happens to be a good singer. Like, her thing in life is to be an actress. Like, she wants to act. She just happens to be this, like, incredible singer, and I can't get enough of it. Like... I know, I know she's Josie and the Pussycats, of course she's going to be a good singer because she has to be, but like, holy crap, that is amazing. Um, then we go to the Cooper house where we get what could have been not only the creepiest, but the most amazing scene, if not for the god awful integrated marketing. This would have been like Emmy worthy, but I mean, I guess they got to pay the bill somehow and they paid it with CoverGirl. Alice grabs a napkin and straight up wipes Betty's power and her agency off her face when she takes her lipstick off. But Betty doesn't back down. She stands up for herself and her friendship with Veronica. She replies to Scarlet Seduction or Seduce Scarlet or whatever it's called um, and goes to Pops. She takes no shit from her mom who is very scary in that scene. Um, so she goes to Pops to proposition Chuck for a fun night at Ethel's so he can teach her how to be a bad girl like Polly. Oh yeah, Jason told us how Polly was a prissy prude during the day but a freak in the sheets by night. Alrighty, well there's a little window into the life of Betty's sister who's missing. They agree to meet at Ethel's and when Betty leaves, Chuck makes the most high school boy holy shit, I'm going to get laid face. <laughs> that was, that was a good touch. 
Then, of course, Fred catches Archie sneaking back in. I really hated this. Archie says he was helping the pussycats and not the other way around, and I wanted to punch him in his stupid, beautiful face. <laughs> like, you were not helping them do shit. They were helping you. They allowed you to be there. You offered some opinions, and they took it. That's great. They are helping you with your musical career by making those suggestions. No, sir. You were not helping them. They fight, and Archie calls out Fred for being biased towards football instead of music. And if, you know, if it had been football, then he probably would have let Archie go. But it's music, so he's not going to, and whatever. It's lame and tropey, and we've all seen this before. But Fred, I still contend, is a good dad. So, I'm on his side. Then we go to Ethel's amazing house. Like, what does Mr. Muggs do? I need to know. Um, when Chuck knocks on this, like, awesome door, anyway, Veronica opens the door instead of Betty, and she looks incredible. You can almost hear Chuck getting a boner. (laughs) You know he's thinking that he's gonna get that aforementioned BMV menage that he said in the, in the locker room. But Veronica, (laughs) Veronica actually says the words, let's get wet. (laughs) And I almost got a boner. (laughs) Betty then comes walking out in the most god-awful black wig, a very expensive lingerie that I assume belongs to Alice because no 15-year-old girl has that in her drawers. I I mean, I don't know what 15-year-old girls have now. Maybe they do have this, like, really fancy shit. But when I was 15, I had, like, standard-issue white in black and I mean maybe that has something to do with the fact that I'm like I'm very busty I was like in a bra in second grade so there were not a lot of cute bras for me to wear but the one that Betty has on is like something you go to a specialty shop for that is and they don't have that in Riverdale I'm pretty sure maybe she borrowed it from Veronica who I think is probably not her same boob size but whatever So, okay, so if you've heard me ramble on about Dark Betty, this is it. You have now been properly introduced. This is her. This is is when you know, oh shit, she really is kind of crazy. So while we process all of this mess, we go to the Taste of Riverdale event, where I assume just all of the booths are from Pops, because there are no other restaurants in this town. They only ever go to Pops. And we learn that this is the this event is the lead up to the seventy fifth jubilee, so that will be part of this season. Um, and there is the beginning of a very cute Fred and Hermione exchange, but it is interrupted by Grundy because she's the worst. And then Fred introduces himself, and he says, "Oh, I'm Archie's dad," and she about shits a brick, which she should. Um, Mayor McCoy goes up to the Blossoms and asks them how they're doing. Penelope starts to get real fucking sassy with her and Sheriff Keller, but before, (laughs) before she can lay it all out on them, Alice interrupts and asks her for a quote and Penelope bitch slaps the shit out of her, which is awesome. Like OG dynasty worthy slap. It was amazing. I know I say everything's amazing, but this really was amazing. 
<laughs> she um she also calls Alice a piece of garbage for publishing her son's autopsy and you know what she's not wrong that that was very uncool of Alice to do that without the permission of of his family Josie sees the awkwardness and starts playing music and she's playing that song that we heard her and the girls in Archie working on um at rehearsal we see Archie sneaking around as if his hair isn't glow in the dark <laughs> like boy you can't sneak around unless you wear a hat your your hair is the color of fire people are going to notice um but he hides on a balcony with Jughead who has been up there the whole time I don't know but he has to leave because he needs to go shake down an evil adventure scout and then there is more awkwardness with Fred and Grundy and he has to talk over the music so this might be the loudest Luke Perry ever speaks like this is a volume I feel like he had to go to some classes for because that guy always whispers even when he's angry he whispers it's always Archie I can't believe you did this and this time he had to talk over music so I bet that was quite a stretch for Luke Perry um way to show your range he says that he's worried about Archie's future and he asks Grundy what made her take interest in his son she is a pedophile Fred that's why she took an interest in your son we see Alice continue her bitch tour as she mom shames Hermione because Veronica is getting slut shamed at school like, oh Alice stop being the worst for like five minutes like you just got the shit smacked out of you just take a break back up at um Ethel Mugg's mansion of kinky water play Dark Betty puts a muscle relaxer and chucks scotch whiskey I'm not sure but it's it's definitely like not a fuzzy navel <laughs> that the teenagers would be drinking it is liquor um she says that the concoction will make him tell the truth it's it's gonna be truth serum but I'm just saying it might also kill him I don't know we'll see Veronica suggests that maybe they should slow down but Chuck says that he's too fast too furious baby and all the Pretty Little Liars fans who stuck it out until season 7 internally screamed we've heard that in the last season and it was gross and awful um, anyway he also does this like this weird pelvic swirl when he says it <laughs> it's kind of funny if you just watch that back at the Taste of Riverdale which is brought to you by Pops and only Pops Jug calls Dilton a liar and a public menace so that's cool you know that's gonna get you the quote that you want then uh then we go back to Ethel's evil lair where Chuck wakes up and he's handcuffed to the very hot hot tub and starts panicking as Betty turns the heat up and she says tell the truth Chuck or so help me I'll, I'll boil you alive and Chuck does tell the truth about his date with Veronica but Betty goes like that shit crazy anyway she pours maple syrup all over his face and then tries to drown him with her shoe she like picks up her foot and pushes his head underwater and like Betty slow your roll <laughs> um at this moment you see Ethel peek in and she is obviously pleased at Betty going apeshit so I mean I guess you can take some pleasure on that after somebody's been gross to you so 
Dark Betty apparently thinks that she's Polly because she starts screaming, Apologize, Jason! Apologize what you did to me! And he says, I'm not Jason, but you're crazy. And he's not wrong. Like, he's done some bad shit, but Betty snapped this time. Veronica talks to her and she gets Betty to wake up from this weird dissociative state. So that's how the evening ends. I want to know how they all got home. <laughs> what, what was the situation there? Uh, the next morning, Archie wakes up and we see that Fred is soundproofing the garage. And uh, what I believe is the Bono line of safety glasses. Those are some fly-ass safety glasses. Um, as somebody who occasionally has to wear safety goggles at work, they don't look like that. That's pretty awesome. And he tells Archie that Grundy believes in him. And my heart just broke. Like, oh, no, she doesn't. <laughs> she believes in his, his young penis, and that's it. Um, at school, Veronica confronts Betty about her dissociative weirdness, and Betty doesn't remember any of it. She's like, mm, I don't think that's what happened. But <laughs> Veronica says, yeah, girl, it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mistress Hyde. <laughs> in, in this... I just want to see Betty get help. I want to see her go to therapy and get some help for whatever this issue is. Um, we get a voiceover from Jughead where he says, Good and evil, light and dark, Betty and Veronica, two sides of the same Janice coin. And, okay, so if you are like me and were an art history major for three months, then you probably don't need to know what a Janice coin is. But if you're not... It's an ancient Roman coin that some believe to have magic capabilities. It's um, on the front of it, it has Janus, who was a Roman god who was two-headed. Um, and I think the back was just blank, but anyway, two sides of the same coin, basically. Hermione apparently talks Weatherby into giving Betty and Veronica a lesser sentence, and then she very suspiciously strokes Veronica's hair and calls her Miha. Next time, come to me, Miha, instead of taking matters into your own hands. Which is solid parental advice. Like, next time um, you're going to take down a sexual predator, maybe go to your parents or another adult. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, almost kill somebody. Let's see, the playbook boys were suspended and... The girls all kind of talk about how brave Ethel is for coming forward and really heading up this whole thing. And Cheryl, in true Cheryl fashion, says, hashtag justice for Ethel out loud. <laughs> I love Cheryl sometimes. Um, and Jughead tells us that Betty and Veronica are forever forged. But in this next scene, it's Betty and Cheryl who burn the playbook instead of Betty and Veronica, even though they're forged, but whatever, in a metal trash can. Speaking of a garbage fire, uh, in the music room, Archie thanks Grundy for talking to Fred, and then they basically fuck via facial expressions. They do this weird thing where they just kind of like look at each other, where their faces centimeters apart, but they don't actually kiss. <laughs> so gross and weird. And then at the Blue and Gold office, Dilton offers a better story to Betty and Jughead if they promise not to expose that he was the one who shot the gun on the 4th of July. He tells them that he saw Miss Grundy's car at the river. He saw, he saw her car at the river's edge that day. And in the voiceover, Jughead says that he would have protected Archie's Grundy secret if Dilton hadn't opened Pandora's box. 
and then we get zzz, zzz, Riverdale. But, okay, the thing is, that doesn't make you a good friend, Jughead. Like, that's a secret you shouldn't keep when your friend's literally being molested. Um, but he's young, and I'm sure he also thinks of himself as an adult and old enough to have sexual relationships with an adult, so he just doesn't know either, but I don't know. I didn't like that. Okay, so the most Archie moment, the, the moment most like the comics, this is the first non-Roberto episode, so we, we kind of start to veer away from, from that comic book feeling, but I think Cheryl's line of the plan was bananas. I think that fits. So that that's what I'm going with this week. The best blossom burn this week comes from a non-blossom, which won't happen most of the time, I promise. But I had to make an exception this episode because it's when Hermione <laughs> tells Alice, Hello, Alice. Looks like you're no longer lactose intolerant. And Alice takes a shot of milkshake. <laughs> I think that's supposed to make us believe that Alice was a nerd back in high school or maybe, you know, something to that effect. But I liked how she, like, she gave her shit for drinking that, that milkshake. Um, okay, so for Good Bad Funnies, my good is the out-and-out -out thread of feminism and women of color demanding their right to agency. That is awesome. This is not my favorite episode for many reasons. I might even say it's one of my least favorite episodes, but the whole thread of feminism is amazing. It is really, really good. I saw this meme the other day. Um, I wrote it down, but I think I threw it away. It said that slut shaming is, or calling someone a slut is shaming a girl for using her right to say yes, and friend zone is using... Uh, is shaming her for using her right to say no and then bitch is a way to shame her for for talking about it for calling you out on it and I think that needs to be posted everywhere because I hear that constantly how someone's such a slut such a skank because because what she had sex there wouldn't be a human population if people didn't have sex everybody has sex it's fine um, or, oh man, you're friend zoned. Like, just because she doesn't want to fuck you doesn't mean she's less worthy. Like, I have plenty of guy friends that I want zero romantic relationship. That doesn't discount our friendships. It's fine. And, and I get called a bitch a lot because I call people out on their shit all the time. So the point is, you just cannot be a woman in society without being you if you're not a prude you're a whore like there is no right way to be a woman in society and I feel like the more we talk about that fact the better it will get anyway so moving on um my bad this week besides Betty's wig is that I don't like Veronica only felt vindicated when Chuck admitted that nothing happened because the point is the point of fixing slut-shaming is that even if she had done something that night, that's her right to say yes. That's the whole point. Slut-shaming is not calling someone a slut who didn't do anything. It's, it's saying that if you do have sex, that means you're bad, that you're doing something bad, and that's 
that's not what we're fighting for here. So, anyway, the funny, um, I, Kevin asks Cheryl where she got her boots in the middle of a very tense situation. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, for changes, I, I feel like I would have made the timeline make more sense. Like, I, the whole, like, Archie and Jesse and the Pussycats are using the music room, so they're definitely allowed to be at school, but... Betty and Veronica are sneaking into the school somehow, like, I don't know. That didn't make sense. While I love the Dark Betty storyline, the things that, um, that come out of her in this Dark, Dark Betty episode will not make sense to me in future episodes. So my changes would have started in this episode but you're gonna hear more about it as we move on so that makes no sense to you right now I know but we'll come back to that scene in a couple of episodes so for um, Sabrina news if you didn't listen to s2e9 um, where we we talked about the newest Sabrina news that that's fine if you're you're not caught up I'll go over it again so really basically all there is um, is they they found a Sabrina. Um, Kieran and Shipka from Mad Men, who played Sally Draper, um, she's going to play Sabrina. And it couldn't be more perfect. That is perfect casting. That is the Sabrina that none of us knew we needed. And I am really excited for it. Um, we also get um, we get descriptions for some of the other um, characters on, on Sabrina. We get, let's see... Um, Harvey is going to be, so they haven't casted, but this is what's in the casting description. Um, all ethnicities, he's going to be woke. He's going to be part of Greendale's, um, counterculture youths and his parents. Oh, he's going to, he does not know that he comes from a long line of witch hunters, which is going to make for some very interesting drama. Rosalind, who... I hope I'm saying her name right. I hope I'm remembering that from a million years ago when I watched the ABC series. Um, she will be black. She'll be African American. Um, she's going to be very brash and to the point. Um, she'll be Sabrina's best friend and her parents are black, black Panthers. She's mortal, but we learned that um, it'll be a secret that she's secret. She's secretly going blind. It'll be a secret that she's secretly going blind. That's very redundant. Um, she's apparently going to be losing her vision. And as she loses her vision, um, she'll get some immortal powers. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, and then Mary Mardwell, who is Sabrina's quirky mentor, will, she's supposed to be like mousy, um, a teacher in her late 20s, early 30s, but she'll also be, um, Madam, she gets taken over by Madam Satan, who is the devil's handmaid, so that's cool, um, anyway, so that's it for Sabrina news, we got, we got a Sabrina, it's very exciting, it's not Duck Cameron, who I know all the teenagers on, um, on Twitter wanted, and I don't really know who that is, if you listen to the Christmas episode, Ashley told me, my co-host Ashley told me who that was, but I, I still haven't seen her in anything. I haven't watched the Descendants movies, so yeah, I don't know anything about that. 
for um, Skeet's datagram corner. <laughs> this week we're going to go with Casey Cott, who plays Kevin. He posted um, like a paid ad, but he, he put it on his Instagram where he's at the movies and he's got a bucket of Cheetos popcorn. So apparently at some movies you can now get Cheeto dusted flavored popcorn, which I'm not going to lie, I'd hit that. <laughs> um, and Skeet's comment just says, cheesy and then it has that like winky tongue sticking out face <laughs> definite ski and uh that's it for this episode so don't forget to subscribe rate renew on itunes or whichever podcast platform you use if you want to reach out to me on twitter or instagram my handle is sheree04 and that's spelled c-h-e-r-i-e-e-04 and I didn't pick my name people that's what it is. Um, if you want to email the show directly, you can email us at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. And if you are caught up with the show, it comes back this Wednesday. I'm super excited. Uh, January 17th. If you are not caught up, please, please, please pay close attention to which episode of the podcast you listen to next. Um, whether it's later this week or next week when we discuss season one, episode four, I hope to see you there. Check it later, gang.